love to know how to create, grow, and preserve your wealth? Well, you are now in the right place. Welcome to the Wealth Wise Podcast, all courtesy of VM Wealth Management. First up, it's Wealth Focus. It's another week with a brand new topic here on the WealthWise podcast. As usual, we'll be talking about money, but more specifically, generational wealth. I'm sure you may have heard the term generational wealth and thought, hmm, is this something for me and my family? How can I achieve this? Well, guess what, guys? Today, we'll be talking about generational wealth with not only one, but two special guests. But before I get into that, remember, you can check us out at vmwealthwise.buzzsprout.com or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. So back to our guest for this week, who we'll be having a wealthy conversation with today. Christopherson Nunes, who is the CEO of UCA Limited and lead resume consultant at the Career Development Agency, aka the Career Doc. And you may also know him as Purple Call Chris and Mr. Swag Boss, Mr. Suave himself, the rich man, the wealthy man from. VM Wealth Management, Mr. Trace Gale, who is a wealth advisor. Welcome, guys. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So let's get right into it. Chris, yeah. what is generational wealth? Um, for me, generational wealth is less about you and more about your kids, your grandkids, you know, the family surrounding you. So it's really about you setting that foundation and having their family reap the benefits or the rewards of your hard work. And you know, passing down certain habits and disciplines to continue having that wealth, you know, you know, teaching them financial literacy, how to manage the money, how to manage the estate, how to build more wealth on top of that wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's generational wealth. That's, that, that's your definition. That's really of my definition. Simple as that. So, so tell me more about why you think that it is important. So it's important, one, it helps, you know, kids coming up to not know poverty, not knowing um, certain struggles, but understanding and appreciating the hard work of the ancestors, but also learning new skills. Chris gone into ancestry. <laughs> well, it's true. Think about it. So persons like, you know, the top generation of people like Matalans and Mafus, they, their kids know financial literacy at the early age um, and they know how to build business early. So why not teach that certain thing to the average Jamaican student or average Jamaican child to build on their own ambition and their ideas and then pass it on to different kids along the way? So generational wealth is also important because of the things you learn outside of getting assets and, you know, so-called riches as a family, you know, born into to a wealthy family. However, you're learning new skills like financial literacy. You're learning how to understand and know people are surrounding, like manipulating the different spheres of people. Um, but nonetheless, you're... You're just not having to worry about the next dollar, I guess. You know, worry about bills or worrying where your children, children are going to go if you, uh, when you pass away. So it's like setting a foundation so when you're gone, they're somewhat set in life. It not to be, you know, millions of dollars or a lot of money, but it's somewhat to show comfort. Maybe they have enough to put a roof over their head, enough to have to go to school or even enough to pursue a dream. I pursue some form of passion they want to, to accomplish. So I think it's just more of a freedom of choice, meaning that financial wealth gives you freedom to choose whatever you want to do. 
And that is us as parents setting that for our children for yeah. for, for for the future. Definitely. So it looks into you know pulling all the savings accounts, your loans, your your investments, right? Your houses, your assets, and then say, hey, let's have a will in case and when I die. You know, you pass these on to your children and your grandchildren and divide the assets accordingly. And I think that's the missing part. Most persons think about generation wealth and not having that contract of a will in place. So thank you so much for that response, Chris, because we here at WealthWise Podcast, we did an episode on estate planning with um, attorney Abledon Foote, and it was actually our second episode. So if you guys have missed it, please to check it out because you will connect the dots with estate planning and generational wealth. Boy, Tracy, quiet over there. And I really wanted to chime in on the conversation. So tell me why you think generational wealth is important. Well, I believe um, generational wealth is important because it sets the foundation for future generations, as was mentioned by Christopherson. Um, just think of it as um, blocks building uh, a house. Mm -hmm. It takes layers. Mm -hmm. So if you are able to, um, in your lifetime, create a house, build a house, then you're, the generation that follows, you set a foundation there. So they now have a house. They now need to build uh, a building. Uh, something bigger so it just continues to grow so can I, add. you continue to add to whatever foundation so we'll look at the examples um of the the um the the, the families that was mentioned by christopherson the mafoods the mafoods the matalons the matalons the newnesses the <laughs> i love the, it the stewards so 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 you're not gonna say the gales <laughs> And uh, soon to be the game. <laughs> <laughs> I love it here. Boy, I look like I have to get two guests each time, you know, because sometimes um, I, I feel like I'm just here out here in the middle of the ocean. But thanks for the vibes, guys. Um, so do you think that you are able to access generational wealth at an early age when you're a parent? So, for example, um, you're in your late teens, early 20s, and we, we see that in Jamaica where we have a lot of young parents. Mm -hmm. How can I, as a young parent, con even consider generational wealth? I believe it starts from habits, you know. So it's not just um, the physical money and, and the, the budgeting and stuff like that. It starts from habits. So we need to put things in our... Um, we need to get um, practice not doing certain things like... Instead of going to the movies six times a week, we cut it down to three or only two, or we go on the two for one days. Okay. You understand? That is a form of habit that you, you can use whatever proceeds that is saved to invest. And here's, a, and here's a twist to it, right? So let's say you do enjoy the movies. How could you now learn the habit? Say, hey, instead of me cutting back, how can I make more money? Um, and then to actually um, satisfy my need of going to the movies. Meaning that you really wanted to go to the movies and you have the idea of wanting to go to the movies. You know, you can think of new ways to make more money to go to the movies. So I think that is also like a habitual thinking as a, hey, these are ways of me learn from my parents and say, hey, based on what I want, I cannot just only say, but I have to make an income generating idea to actually go for my goals. So And to satisfy your lifestyle yeah. that you want to have currently. Yeah. And, and and when you satisfy the lifestyle that you want to have currently, it won't impact on what you're trying to achieve in the future. Definitely. Hence mm. why you'd want to um, generate additional income. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Boy, I love the conversation. So you want, you, you like movies, build a cinema. 
Yeah, say Bella Simmons. So you go to your own free movies at the time. <laughs> well, a lot of people are see building cinemas in their homes. So I, I that's rich. That's very rich. That's 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 wealthy. <laughs> that's very rich. And I, I aspire to be one of those persons um in, in in line with building my generational wealth. It's good if I could um maybe fifty years from now I have grandkids and we have a this massive house and they have a cinema in the house instead of going outdoors to cause if which with COVID time and so we don't know how long it's gonna last. Not sure if it's gonna last for the next fifty years. But you know it would be so good to have access to lifestyle comforts that you you know you'd want to to for yourself for your kids yeah just available to you but it cannot be available to you unless you make sacrifices we sacrifice yeah and we prepare so somebody had to make the sacrifice and who's gonna make the sacrifice the person who's starting the generation all about dun 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 i love it (laughs) so um, are you able to share some examples of generational wealth with me? I know you you mentioned just a few, but um, are you able to share some more examples? Uh, so, for for example, on a musical standpoint, and everybody know DJ Khaled and his sons, right? So, mm-hmm. what he does from a production level is he makes them co-producers. So, even when the track has you know launched and people are continuously listening to music, even when their sons are 12, 15, 20 in the, in the future, they still earn money and royalties from that song based off his father's hard work in the future. So in the past. So thinking about... I wonder if DJ Khaled can adopt me. <laughs> so, so thinking of things um, are innovative, creative things like that, meaning that you're doing the work now, but the, the rewards are seeped into different pockets of the, the generation you want to benefit. You get me? So a production level like that is an example I could use. That, 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 that sounds as if he would have got, put a lot of thought into making sure that his son's futures are secure. Yeah. So I may I may not be uh oh, what am I say? Another one. <laughs> Another one. That's what that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm trying to be hip and hype, right? <laughs> I'm not I may not be a Khalid. At what age do you think? Maybe I, I don't know what age he started, but what age do you think is a really good age to start thinking, to, you know, put my mind there about generational wealth. Do you think it's before consider I consider having a family or, you know, ideally a parent? Or ideally, I think it's before you have a family, but we live in Jamaica, we live in the Caribbean, so, you know, things happen. But I think to be responsible and accountable, when things happen, you make a responsible choice after. So mm-hmm. let's say at the time, you know, you're a young youth, you're, you're hustling, you're going to the streets and your girlfriend calls, hey, I'm pregnant. Granted, no, your whole mind shift change. You know, I have to be more responsible. And I'm doing so, you say, okay, I need to buy less Hennessy and more, et cetera, et cetera. You I'm, know? I'm more Gerber. I'm more Gerber, but also using some of the, the income you have monthly and say, hey, let's say a trust fund every month to put towards. So it becomes automated based off your day-to-day. And it's, it's not very common in... Um, let's use Jamaica for the, the, the average Joe. This is just my mm-hmm. um, observation. To have a trust fund or a college fund 
or even a high school saving for education um, goal, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the times we wing it. Yeah. Because of circumstances. That's true. Um, so how can somebody who is currently struggling and winging it think, even consider generational wealth? Well, I don't, I don't. You know, what's funny about it um, is that we always think that we are struggling, right? And so, for example, minimum wage, we get $10 an hour. I'm just using numbers, right? Basically, that would cover what their basic necessities. Next month, they get a pay increase, and now they are getting $15 an hour. And nothing changes. They're still struggling because they've now stretched what they need to do to that $15. So it's just about um, containing yourself, uh, and I think it will work. Does that make any sense? Well, I do have a solution I, to this. I've heard that um, the more he, the more you get paid, the more responsibilities you have. Is that true, Chris? The more responsibility you take on. That's what I think. Well, if you think about it, like that is actually true. Yeah. <laughs> the more responsibilities you take, take on. on. Because your point is actually, thinking about it, Trace, if, if you do earn that extra $5, that that extra five dollars could pass you could possibly save it. Yep. Save it, invest it, flip it. Anyway. Right. Mm. You can use that to generate additional income. Yeah. I'm seeing a goal. I'm seeing a goal maximizer right there. But also we live in a culture that focuses on consumerism. So somebody may see an other Instagram or IG or Amazon and say, Hey, I need I want this shirt or I want this bikini, or I want this, and they spend the extra five dollars on that versus you know buying an investment portfolio are putting it towards something for a rainy day so i think it based off culture and it also boils down to the habits you know what are the internal habits we have with ourselves at the end of the day chris and trace i know you guys are a family man and you have young children yes <laughs> trace how old is your son it'll be two in january two in january and and chris so he's turned one in august Wow, so you have pretty, pretty young children. Yeah. Happy birthday <laughs> or happy belated. <laughs> so how how does one go about building generational wealth? Um, what are some of the key things that you do as a dad, you know, to cover that? I think for me, um, so I grew up in technology, right? So I grew up being exposed to a wealth of information like, advices, articles, news. So my thing is which one is filtered out, which one it makes sense or which one don't make sense. But at the end of the day, I learn how to automate certain things. So for example, a nine to five, you can have a bank mandate, take out certain money to put in a certain account. So I don't ever think about that every month. But other things like if I'm working on a project and I know um, it's a recurring income, regardless if my IP or myself is here, I can put my son as a, as a um, a co-producer, a producer, a director, part of it. So it means that regardless of my presence, my hard work now is being paid off through to somebody else. Um, so I think of different ways like that. Um, and of course, I'm a major person on branding. So I look on copy and branding and, for example, using the name Lavin Lakaf, um, which is very... I was, was going to ask you to tell me some more about... Um, the the products because a a pripsy Instagram page guys, <laughs> um. T- so before we even go any further, you can tell tell everyone where they can find you. 
Sure. So anybody can find me online. So it's same name, Purple Call Chris, K-R-I-S. Mm-hmm. So that's Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, not on Facebook, really. <laughs> not on TikTok. It's too hard to manage. Um, yeah. Because you're a busy, 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 busy dad. Um, so you have um, Lavender Calf, which is a, a brand that you have created for your son. Yeah. I am very impressed with that. Tell us some more about that. It was by accident, to be honest. Like I didn't get up one day and say, hey, I'm going to create a, a branding for my son. It happened where, upon announcement, one of my virgins said, hey, Chris is having a love in the calf. And it was just so funny saying it. Because you're oh, a yeah. purple cow. <laughs> it's just so funny. And it really just took off, meaning that I would walk up in on the road and people say, hey, that's an internet baby or that's love in the calf or that's LC." And knowing my understanding of branding, IP, and intellectual property, all that stuff, I knew that I can't just leave myself vulnerable. So I registered the name Loving a Car for having it copywritten already. Um, so anything with a lawyer that involves his um, content, I just have that arrangement. Like he has a lawyer before I do. Wow. It's crazy because I understand where the world is going in terms of consumerism, branding, um, personal brands, but also attention. One, babies are cute. So it, it can't really not like a baby, you know? But also it's development and how it grows. Like I find it's like a journey, not just a single product by itself. Mm-hmm. So I realized that to me, it's not a one-shot game. It's like a long-term planning. And I understand that behind the name Loving the Calf. It's like, the, it's like young artists like QQ or one of those teen celebrities. They have those same IPs, those same branding. So why we at Jamaica can't do the same? And you are right in the middle of building generational wealth for your family. Started. I think honestly. I, I know you say it's starting, but it sounds so mature already. <laughs> um, you know, because when I prep your page and I see um products with the label and everything. Yeah, so even for first examples like that, is really of me being creative to license the brand to other manufacturers. So, for example, we have a baby moisturizer. So that doesn't mean that we made a moisturizer. We have the branding and the name. But also we have a partnership with a um, manufacturer that produces that. So it's really about, one, strategic partnering, um, using our time wisely, but also knowing our leverage. We know mm-hmm. that the name is something that could be very long-term. But also we just experiment. Like, I try to make have fun with my day-to-day. So if my day-to-day involves being around my son and teaching him, I was like, okay, how can I make this an income-generating asset? So even though I'm thinking about creating a school, um, and it's just me being around him every day and people asking, hey, how you teach him that? Or how you taught him that? Um, for example, I'm sure Mr. Tracy was shook when I taught him, showed him sign language in terms of more or so other things. Yeah, I felt a way about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> so Love Edna Calf actually, guys, is here in studio. Well, um, just outside the door, but he has shown Trace sign language at he's just one year. Just old. one. Wow. And I had to ask what that meant. <laughs> so Trace. I, I feel away. <laughs> so, as a wealth advisor. How have you started building generational wealth for your family? All right, so for me, typically it's just about money. Not well, it started with <laughs> money. 
So I've started because what I what I think is missing from a lot of uh, young kids' life, including what was missing from mine, is understanding how money works. Mm-hmm. So what I've done thus far is to open an ICA for kid at VM VMBS for for my son, and then also have a stock account, right? That is automated. So every month. I'm doing something for him. As soon as he's able to understand, yeah. I'm, I'll show him the process from where it started and to what it is right now. That is wonderful. And that's financial literacy. And that's, that's financial, that's financial literacy. literacy. I've also done that for my youngest family member. Um, I, I thought about it um, when she was born. How can I contribute to my niece's life um, without... You know, I didn't want to give her toys. Everybody gets toys. You're going to get toys regardless, right? Mm-hmm. Toys, you go into the supermarket and then pulling down something. You get toys, you get candy, you get cake every birthday. What can I give her Books. that will outside, no, outside? So she gets she gets the regular stuff. stuff. Mm-hmm. The, the the toys, the books, the fancy. Barbie tutus yeah. and all of the wonderful I, things I think, that kids enjoy. Need a, I think my son need an auntie. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> but when I thought about it, I said, I need, I, I, I am in the money. I work in finance. What can I do to, and I didn't even think that it was building generational wealth until having this conversation with you guys. I, I said to myself, no. I need to do something for her education. Mm-hmm. So what I did, just like what Trace did, I set up an account and I a trading account and I buy stocks for her. Um, IPOs, everything that I would have done for myself, which I do for myself, I do it on that account for her. Mm-hmm. I told her dad that, listen, she's not going to get any pretty, pretty from me at Christmas. She's not going to get any... We call it tutus and cake. Those are things that she gets all year round. Yeah. But what I want to do, her her gift, every every single birthday, every single Christmas. It's a statement. It's a, a lump sum, whatever the lump sum may be. It's a statement. And that deposit. Throughout the, no, because the thing is, throughout the year, there are activities happening. So you have APOs, IPOs. No, no um, man, Other things happening that, you know, I'm going to put something on. But her gift I am not, she's not going to get a, a package with a bow on it. Well, my son is so, going to get a statement. I remember, to give you a quick story, last Christmas I gave her a candy cane. That's it. I gave her a physical candy cane, but her account got some stocks. So she's richer than me. Rich. <laughs> right? So I, I, I'm loving the fact that you you actually opened my eyes to acknowledge that I've started generational wealth, and I, and I wish that. Um, I'll bring a point, right? So what you thought are part of is a very interesting term. It's called anti network. So you are part of an anti network that supports you know the kids that you are part of, and Jamaicas have a wide variety of anti networks. Right. You don't even have to be related to them. It could be somebody like a neighbor, or an older sibling, yes. or over female they look up to. But the anti network really also passes on knowledge. So I'm sure when she gets older, she's like, "Hey, auntie, Most definitely. what does this mean? What does this mean?" And and it brings down to the financial point of financial literacy. 
And I think that has happened to me. I think I am a product of the auntie network in Jamaica. I um, I lost my mom at a young age and I had a lot of aunties, whether um, blood aunts or friends and families, mm. and they would have invested in my life as well. Exactly. And financially, I'll have a lot of um, aunts and moms that are in finance and they would have also imparted on me financial literacy. So I think it's a very important thing that you have raised the auntie network. You've heard about it? I, never, I didn't know that there was a thing, but you I know, I understand Chris. the concept and I've been a part of the concept, but I've never heard the terminology I've before. I've never heard the yeah. term. Thanks. No problem. So podcast peeps, you're hearing a lot of new things. Thanks to Purple Chris and Loving the Calf. Because I forgot bring me now, you know. And Trace Gale, a wealthy conversation here on the Wealthwise podcast. We are talking about generational wealth. And so... In your humble opinion, how could how could building generational wealth help to narrow the wealth gap in Jamaica? That one is on hard. <laughs> All right, so let's break it down. You have the really wealthy and the really poor, but you also have the middle class. But in terms of a gap, it also means access to certain things. Um, granted, building generational wealth can close the gap. However, it also winds the gap, meaning the rich will also get richer. But how quickly does the poor get richer? And it also becomes, it's like an econ terms, absolute, um, I can't remember the terminology, but it does point to, to how quickly does the rich catch up, the poor catch up to the riches. But I think nonetheless, it's also looking on your own personal lifestyle, your own personal goals and say, hey, you know, my grandma passed, left a piece of farm um, when she passed away. I could use that to start a business, things like that, because everybody have their different ways of living in Jamaica. You know, for example, if my grandma passed away, I wouldn't get a farm versus, let's say, a friend of mine passed away. He may get a farm because her um, grandparents have a farm and she may know agriculture pursues agricultural skills. And I think based off her anti-network, of course, she's passing on that to her children when they're born. So I think it boils down to financial literacy, being consistent, being creative, but also looking on pulling money from international back to Jamaica, but also ex- enjoying the wealth, you know, not sitting on it, um, but also not squandering it. You know, a lot of guys have the, the X5 and the big Mark X's, but they're not spending on certain things like putting their kids to school, you know, putting their kids have a savings account or investment account. <laughs> Personally, I think... Um, Narrowing the gap, there's too much, been, too much emphasis being placed on it. I just think it's all about accessibility. Mm-hmm. So it's from no access to what access you can gain and what access you can open for your family. So I don't think you should pay any attention to who is already rich mm-hmm. because as Chris rightfully said, that gap will continue, the rich will continue to move because they are part they are imparting information and knowledge onto their um, generation what we should do is to ensure that that gap is not widened yeah. you understand so we are moving while they are moving so we are, when we are moving oh by the way i've moved but <laughs> you understand you understand so we, we have to understand that just ensure that access is open up for um, all generations to come right what we need to do is to look at step by step processes it's, it starts from habit. So first, first we need to look at saving or in saving, 
because depending on what we want to invest in, it may need, it may take more than what we can save on a monthly basis. So we need to adapt the philosophy of saving and then buy into the philosophy of investing because those are two different things. Mm-hmm. You understand? Um, so if you are saving $5,000 a month, right? By month six, that's $30,000. But by the end of the year, you can be investing in a real estate fund that starts at $50,000. You understand? So this is the concept that you need to, you need to adopt in order to um, bounce from levels to levels so you can break down the social walls. So you said you mentioned by the end of the year, I have 60000 60, and I'm able to access um, a real estate um, type of investment, you say? Mm. Uh, get, tell me some more about that. How can that help me to start? Mm-hmm. All right. So first and foremost, we have to understand that investing in, investing, investing in assets is what starts the, the, the generational wealth dream. Because it has to be something that appreciates over time. Mm-hmm. And it has to appreciate faster than inflation. You understand? So or the real estate fund that is operated that we have here at VM Wealth, it surpass inflation before the pandemic we were performing at over 14 percent in the in one of the most unprecedented times we were performing over seven percent you understand inflation is 4.55 percent that in itself is telling you that you are producing wealth upon wealth once you've invested in the fund at half year 2021 we were over seven percent trace come here with him stats you know you understand so that in itself, that is our real estate fund. We are invest primarily in um, commercial real estate, and we have we've tested the waters of residential real estate. Mm-hmm. You understand? So we want to see how much that works, and we have some other exposures, but it's predominantly invested in commercial real estate. And you're saying that real estate is an an avenue in which um, I can be exposed or ca- can start building generational wealth and accessing and at VM wealth most definitely and a, a vehicle that can assist me with that most definitely also guys if you've missed the episode on real estate investing please don't forget to tune into that one or check it out we had a wealthy conversation with Ryan Reed who is the CEO and founder of the First Rock Group we had an extensive discussion on real estate investing so you may want to check that out um thank you trace for enlightening us on how we can access the vm wealth property fund that's the official name for it that's correct or the property portfolio it's the vm wealth classic property portfolio hi thank you for correcting me <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome chris i, I see you got got a little bit quiet on me is it that you're thinking really hard? The ideas are flowing, man. <laughs> Alright, so, so I was thinking um, about the question, right? How could generational wealth narrow down the wealth gap in Jamaica? And I think it boils down to a trickle-down effect, meaning that let's say Tracy passed on a business to his son. That name Tracy? Trace. Sorry, <laughs> Trace passed on a business to his son, right? A young business. But when his son gets it, it's booming. That means more employment for the people in Jamaica, more ways of earning money, you know, money being exchanged and value added to society. So imagine that 
is being multiplied across multiple families, having um, some local family business run and passed down generation to generation. It means local people are being given employment. I know you, you know me, I trust you as a community. Let's build a community-based enterprise. So I think the trickle-down effect helps narrow down the wealth gap, meaning that everybody can have some form of money coming in. Um, trust, it comes in, in, it comes in financial literacy. So let's say somebody wants to learn a new skill, but they're not of age. They can have an internship at Tracy's on um, enterprise and all these things. So it really boils on the trickling effect. It's not really about the wealth itself, but what does the wealth represents. If you get what I mean. So the jobs, the, the opportunities, the access to things. So for example, somebody may not have access to life insurance or health insurance or any type of insurance at all, but now this look a job pulls him to a certain access to a, to a space. So why not gap a little bit? And of course it multiplies and it can bring the gap a little smaller, smaller, smaller over time. Until you get to the place that you personally want to be um, when you actually start building I guess. Because, well, foundation, yeah. at least. Foundation is important. I mean, at VMware, we like to use a term, um, financial independence. Yeah. I think I love that term so much because it does not speak to a particular group or anything of the sort. Yeah. What it speaks to is what makes you independent, what makes you comfortable. Mm-hmm. You understand? how much money does it take to make you comfortable? It may take you $10 million to be comfortable. It may take me one. Mm -hmm. You understand? So um, I like that term very well. And it's something that we can look into when um, when we're trying to narrow in the gap. Where do I, how fast do I get to my comfort spot? And I don't pay attention to your comfort spot, but yeah. mine. Because everybody's journey. Everybody's is journey. Completely different. I'm just right. focusing on all in. Yeah. No. What did I say about the other song, the name? Oh, Still staying in your lane? <laughs> I don't know. Young Hip and Hype, help me now. <laughs> I have the song in my head and I can't just... I can't <laughs> sing You're Young Hip. <laughs> so, we had a quite an insightful conversation just now about how generational wealth could help narrow the wealth gap in Jamaica or building generational wealth could narrow that gap. Um, can someone from a poor background actually defy those odds and make it happen in their on their own? I definitely think so. Because it starts with a habit. It starts with the habit. That's the fundamental um, thing. That's the foundation. You understand? What about the drive? What about yeah, that, the, the you want to make it in life? Because yeah. a lot of the times, habit is one thing, but... You must want it. That's my opinion. Yeah. What 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 say you, Chris? Uh, uh, you're you're actually very you're 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 correct. I think the drive comes first, and then you create a habit afterwards. Because I, I personally think okay. So I mean, I, I spoke about the wealthy real estate fund starting at over fifty well fifty thousand dollars earlier on, but there are other investment tools. There are other assets out there that are way cheaper that you can use to start. You understand? Instead of thinking about um, I, I have to come up with $5,000 per month. You can start with $1,000 per month. By the end of the year, you can invest in a goal maximizer or one of those. Um, or you can invest in an equity fund. That's $10,000, right? And you can add to that $5,000. These are some VM Wealth are, unit trust products that um, 
we have. And, and definitely. Thank you very much. And just in case <laughs> you, um, jo- you're joining us for the very first time, we actually did an episode on Unitrust. So please, that's actually our very first WealthWise podcast episode. So you can go and check that out. As a matter of fact, check out all of our episodes. You would not want to miss out on the exciting conversations and the rich wealthy discussions that we have been having on the Wealthwide Wealthwise podcast. Thank you so much to our very special guests for today, Christopherson. I pronounce it right? Can you pronounce it for me? It's Christopherson. You're stretching out the <laughs> Okay, I stand corrected. Purple Chris. That's right. And his LC, who is just outside the studio door. Um, hey baby and Trace Gale Wealth Advisor from VM Wealth Management tune in next week for all your wealth management needs just call us at 876-960-5000 or email us at wealthinfo at myvmgroup.com podcast production courtesy of Infinity Media don't forget you can build your wealth with us at VM Wealth Management advice solutions performance